Today's conversation is with Zoe Ajani. Zoe is currently living and working in India as a certified rolfer and certified Ayurvedic wellness consultant, combining rolfing with traditional Ayurveda therapies and protocols. Zoe and I actually spoke last week for the true first time, and like a dream, it was a flawless, near-perfect conversation. After we finished, I noticed that I accidentally forgot to record the talk. Whoops. I'm grateful that Zoe's first comment was, that's okay, bud, and he suggested we do it again soon. Ever so gracious with his time and with his learnings, Zoe is a true educator and one who loves to share his knowledge and his heart. We'll speak a little bit about uh, that first podcast, about beginner's mind, presence, and not having expectations of Rolfing, Ayurveda, and what it's like to work as a body worker in a foreign country. Mostly, we'll laugh and share a conversation about what we're both so passionate about. Hey, man. What's up? So familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's kind of cloudy, so which is nice because it's been really hot for the past like two days. You got that nice, beautiful mango tree behind you. This one is a, uh, this is a neem tree. This place is like full of like God knows how many neem trees. It's very abundant. So it's easy to take care of your immune system here. You just pick a leaf or two and you're, you're good to go for the day. Mm, nice. And so I, yeah. I saw a beautiful video of you climbing that mango tree. That was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Abigail, so we, we, we usually get vegetables, but um, we wanted to get some mangoes because we use raw mangoes for, for veggies. And so mm-hmm. we had to climb the tree because the elephants can't go up that high. So there were so mm-hmm. many up there. So that's why it was fun. I was a little yeah. scared when I got all the way to the top. Yeah, it was high. I was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I, uh, I'd have, I don't know if I'd want to be going up there. Uh, it's actually, it's not the going, it's not the going up that I'm worried about. It's the coming down. Yeah. And how no, fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really fun today because for me, I really want to, um, try to forget everything we said in a way and not yeah. to have the way of how do you, how do you, um, and there's something really interesting in this. How do you, how do you keep it fresh? I almost feel like there's a, um, there's like a deeper meaning behind that, right? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you have a beginner's mind? How do you have the same conversation again without having the same conversation again? And of course it, it oh, won't you, be the same conversation. Yeah. It's, you just, you you don't have expectations of what's going to happen right like this is a, this term like keeping it fresh um, being fresh and it has something to do with rolfing actually and when the time comes i can bring it up and we can talk more about it but fresh is just the ability to and i hate using this word i don't want to say hate but using that present you know being present is keeping it fresh but it's much more than that. It's you're, you're aware of your surroundings and you're mm. able to keep it fresh instead of saying these like um, elusive words, like presence and present. We really don't know what that means to be honest with you. Like we can say I'm present, but are you really, I mean, are you really present? You know? Yeah. Or, 
but it's so simple if you say it like this like i'm aware of my of my environment you know i'm aware of where i'm sitting um i know what the what the air feels like i can feel the, the clothes on my skin um i can feel uh the parchness in my throat i can feel the wind blowing in my eyes and I have to blink it, really being fresh is just the, a state of you know are you are you aware of where you are that's it and then we can start putting subjective terms like presence and here and now and well, terms I think, that yeah i think that they're different uh, i think of it sort of as layers right uh-huh, so like yeah. presence is a layer to bringing you to a to awareness um uh-huh uh, you know it, it, great and then, and then you have you have little a and big a so there's like mm-hmm. uh, or which can be and i think of awareness and consciousness essentially having a almost interchangeable uh, form Right. So mm. there's like greater consciousness of which there's the, the universe and all of that throws up and there's, and there's little C, which is like, what are you conscious of? And mm-hmm. there, can, there, there will be a merge between them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the name of the podcast. No, what's the name of the podcast? <laughs> what did you put on there? <laughs> the name of the podcast is Touching Into Presence. So oh, when you started talking is, about presence, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it took a while to get that name because I was, I really, I really wanted, um, I had a few people I was working with because I, I wanted to get out of my own uh, blind spots. And um, instead of, it took its form to get there. Someone came up with a beautiful name, Touching Potential. But I really wanted um, three words. I felt like three is a nice thing. And I think touching the presence is really nice because it's a lot of what body work is. It, you, know, you, can, you, can, you can say, well, what is touching into presence? You can, you can spin those words in different ways. When we're touching people, we're touching into the presence of that, what that person is aware of or you know, sensory awareness. You're, you're having light touch. Um, you're touching into a conversation. That conversation, you know, like, hey, right now this podcast is a touch into presence i'm touching into your presence of what's happening in india and and you're touching into my presence of what's happening uh, outside of boston and we're touching into this greater presence you know there's all these ways where those three words can can mean different things for different contexts and so and i like um my my where my body work my rolf and my everything has gone is much more because i started going into biodynamic cranial circle it's been a mm. lot more about getting into presence and letting the yeah. letting the body unfold itself letting presence kind of do its thing instead of trying mm. to control that in a way yeah no totally yeah yeah um so that's probably a good time that i can that i'll um I'll mention to those who are just tuning in, um, <laughs> uh, those just tuning in right now, you've just turned <laughs> on your radio, <laughs> a radio, people born like last 20 years, are like what's a radio oh, on the iPad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm super happy to, to talk with you again, <laughs> again, um, because for so many reasons. One is that our talk last week was great. It was like, when I would talk to people, I'd be like, I did my first podcast episode. It was perfect. It was everything I hoped it would be. And they're like, oh, that's so great. And I'm like, and then at the end, I realized I didn't hit record. (laughs) 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 And, um, and we can talk more about that later, but, but I'll just say that I'm talking again with, 
um, Zorab, uh, who I know as Zoe. And uh, I don't know, do you prefer to be called Zorab or Zoe or? I like, I like Zoe. It's easier. It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah, I do love the great Zorab. I feel like it's like this like <laughs> majestic, like the great Zorab. Uh, just remove, just remove great. <laughs> Zoe Ajani, who's a certified rover, uh, has a bachelor's of science in health and physiology, emphasis on pre-med and Ayurveda. He's also a certified Ayurvedic wellness consultant, 500 hour certified yoga teacher, uh, and has been working in the medical field for over a decade as a, uh, a certified surgical technologist. I'm always worried I'm going to say that wrong. Um, <laughs> and you, you have so many areas of specializing, including trauma, um, so, so mm-hmm. much. It's, it's, it's just, it would take the whole podcast to talk about. And now you're in India, which is amazing. Um, and you're working as a clinical rolfer and you have this way of combining rolfing sort of, I guess, at least with traditional Ayurveda, maybe not necessarily in each session, but we'll talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. So how does that sound? Did I do an okay job summing you up? You you, you did really well. I was yeah. it was too good. <laughs> yeah, <And> so <laughs> I always find it interesting to how to how to when we're in that situation of someone's announcing us and it's like responding to that, like hearing yourself and hearing your accomplishments. Some some people mm. struggle with it. How, how is it for you? Yeah, I'm proud of what I've done in my life. Um, it took me a long time to realize where I am and. And we should, we should be very proud of our accomplishments, but we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't use that as a character to live our lives. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are things that we've done, um, but it's, it's, it's just something that you can contribute to this planet. And after that's over, when you go to sleep, you're not that person, you know, you just wake up and you put on those clothes and you go back and do things again and take them off and go home. You just, we should be proud of what we've done, what everyone's done in their own lives. Yeah, I think in the quarantine, some of the people are forgetting to put the clothes on. That's the <laughs> <laughs> They're just getting up and being like, ah, screw it, it's all right. And there's a lot of reasons I started this podcast. One is, I think, to share to share rolfing, but also body work as a whole and practices that yeah. help people. One is mm-hmm. to just have conversations with friends and um but I, I think it's I think it's really nice to um, there's a, there's an old saying that you've probably heard there there are as many ways to rolf as there are rolfers, uh, mm. which which makes it really difficult to explain to people when you you know you meet someone and you're like oh I'm a rolfer and like what's that um, and, you can, and you can you can be like well go on the rolf website and you'll find a description <laughs> but of course that doesn't website. really even yeah that doesn't really help them or even really define it so what is rolfing to you. Man, that's a, maybe we shouldn't start there. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> rolfing to me, the definition has def, it's changed a lot. And, and what I've experienced so far, um, in a short sentence, not making it too long, I, rolfing is, um, it's a series of hands-on sessions that enhance how you respond to life. Hmm. That's it. You know, nice. it's simple. Life. Anyone can understand it. You can be a intellectual and get it. You could be, you know, just whatever, and you can understand it. You've never heard of it before, but you're like, yeah, I like to respond to life a little bit better, you know? And what is Ayurveda to you? Because I think some people listening may have may never even heard of Ayurveda. So, Ayurveda is a holistic, it's, an, it's a holistic approach to 
your well-being in all aspects of life. Mm. It covers every aspect of your life. Um, and that's what Ayurveda is to me. I love, I love the fact that even the name, when you know Sanskrit, the name tells you what it is. It's the science of living, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big mm-hmm. proponent in Ayurveda. Um, and we talked about this uh, before, but I, I don't have the nearly, like you, you did, um, you were in Maharishi. Can you, can you, can you, why don't you talk about your, like how, like, I guess, how you got into Ayurveda, how you got into rolfing, where you... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was in Texas and I was about to finish up at the University of Texas in Dallas pre-med and I had just one more class left and uh, I was going to graduate and, you know, pursue medical school and all that good stuff. Um, and just before the, the next semester uh, where I had just one class left, I kind of, you could say I had a midlife crisis really early. And I, I, hope, I, I hope I hope not because then you only have a few more years left to go. <laughs> no, no, it actually it was like a it was like a rebirth to me. You know, I was I felt very hollow and shallow, and you know everything that I you know I kind of looked back at my life as at, at UTD, and I was like, I don't feel fulfilled. Why do I why do I feel this way? And um and you know I was I was uh, fighting with diagnoses of like ADHD and all these things, and so. I was on uh, like Adderall, but a, a generic version. It's like amphetamine salt combos. And I was on it for about two or three months. And it caused some, some side effects I didn't like, like narcolepsy a little bit. And I had one situation like that. And I immediately uh, found an, uh, an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner. Never heard of Ayurveda, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's in the Indian household, but it's not the same when you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner, right? Mm-hmm. So she was the very first person who not only used herbs, but used yoga, used meditation, and in a way, some counseling, but not like a formal counseling. And so she helped me get off the meds within a month or two. And uh, she, she showed me how to meditate. And there was one time where she just, she just locked me in a room with a little candle about seven feet away from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, a dia, you know, a little dia, which is like mm-hmm. a, a container with a, a wick and some some oil, and they light it. And she would leave me in there for hours, like maybe an hour or two. And uh, I didn't understand why. And she was basically teaching me how to collect myself, not just the medications. So this Ayurveda, the introduction of Ayurveda, was not just herbs and lifestyle. It was like, it was like, how do you think? How do you how do you live and respond in life in such a way where you're calm, you're content, and you're okay with what's happening around you? Mm-hmm. So after she did that, and I had an amazing experience, it literally changed my whole life. And I, uh, it was like I got addicted to meditating, mm-hmm. and I found um, Maharishi International University because of Oprah. She went there and did this whole thing and. Uh, I wanted to learn transcendental meditation, so I learned, and I got accepted to the university. I transferred last minute, and uh, I said, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to integrate Ayurveda with, you know, pre-medical sciences, and then I'll go to medical school." Um, so that's how I ended up with Ayurveda. Hmm. And is it um, is that where you met Abigail too? Was at uh, at the school? I I did. I yeah. met um, met the love of my life the first week of school, and uh, the it, it took four or five days 
And one night where we just talked for God knows how long, and we tried to walk each other home back and forth. It was late, so it was just an amazing experience. And ever since then, we've never, never separated. We've always been together. Yeah, I mean, for for those who don't know you, who've never, uh, which I guess is probably a lot of <laughs> a lot of people listening. Uh, you guys are you guys are just an amazing couple. Um, yeah, you know, thank you. Uh, it's 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 great, and I think it's great. Like that adds a lot to that knowing um, knowing even though you only have one class to go listening to the visceral sensations in the body being like, mm-hmm. this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, of course we never know what would have happened, but clearly besides mm-hmm. taking you on the journey, it's taking you on, which has been great is like meeting the love of your life. And, and when, when you're, when you're seen together, the way that you both glow off of each other is, is, is lovely. What I found with Rolfing, um, is a lot of people who came to it never wanted to do it. They were they were in some sort of predicament or pain and they got rolfed and it changed their life and they said, I want to do this for other people. And it sort of sounds similar that Ayurveda was that similar for you. You got Ayurveda. Yeah. Yeah. Even even rolfing, man, like I didn't I had no to be honest with you, like Abigail gave me this book called Body Mind. You ever heard of it before? It's like yeah. Ken Devon. Ken Devon remember that book? He he was like he. I read that book. I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. And he talked about Rolfing. And literally, I think it was 2012. And Abigail planted the seed in my head with this Rolfing business thing. And I looked Ida Rolf up, and I just like were like, "Who are you? This lady, this woman, this like powerful, but let." humble and motherly and she can teach you in a, in a way that you've never learned before and i swear for a moment i thought about changing my entire career like i wanted to go to medical school and do all this stuff and i'm like you know what just screw it all i'm gonna go and become a rolfer i went to the Rolf institute website and i even looked up programs but i didn't have the cash to do all of that um it wasn't that expensive then as you know um but <laughs> but it was like it was a lot of money for me at that time. I was just like, well, I've got you know so much going on. But there, there was something about you know reading that book that changed changed my my life. But I didn't listen to that part mm. because I was so like caught up with this like I have to be a doctor. I get to medical school and I'm just like this sucks, you know. And I you know get out and go pursue Ayurveda. Then I find out that rolfing is what, what's needed. Boom. I'm now a rolfer. So it, it was like full circle. And I had to go through these like ridiculous events to come to where I am right now. You know, uh, I just recently saw a quote by uh, Osho, um, Bhagavan Sri Ranjish. Yeah. He's doing the wild, wild thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The quote was, give me a Rolls Royce and I will take it. <laughs> He had another quote, and I couldn't believe it. It was, um, every meditator should get rolled. Really? Yeah, it was a quote, every meditator should get rolled. And, and it was amazing for me to see something like that, to see the recognition of, of this, this field. And even if you're not a meditator, you should, you should get, go through at least the rolling process because it completely changes how you, like respond to life like how you are more present how 
every activity that you're doing, you're so much more conscious. You're so much more aware of what you're doing and you don't, you don't end up hurting yourself. You don't come to that point where, you know, you could be doing squats and you're like, you know what? I think I'm good. You know, you, you find a point where you, you, you create safety and that safety allows you not to create injury and you know you live a longer healthier more balanced more present life and you know who wouldn't want that you know yeah so it brings you into balance oh totally even the herbs like you're ingesting these plants and they have a certain intelligence to them they are they're creating a connection between you and this planet and it create you become very present when you're taking an herb. You know, you've ever taken something bitter? I mean, you take that thing that's bitter, I promise you, you're not going to think about anything else. You become present right away, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a, a quality of presence when you're taking in these herbs, when you're eating your food. There's, there's a way to live. And I, I feel like when you go through a, the process of being rolled or you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and you start taking care of yourself you become so aware that you can't go back to the way that you were living, you know? So it's like, that's where Ayurveda came in. That's where I learned how to live. Dina Chari, you know, how do you live your life? And then the best part is, is how can you help other people at the same time? So these two careers are like, not only is it helping other people, but it's also helping you like as a person, you're getting better every single day that you work with people. And what a gift that is, mm, you know, yeah. and what a gift that is. And why not? Why shouldn't I blend these two together if, if they've made such a huge impact on me? And yoga yeah. too, of course. So as far as Ayurveda and, and rolfing, um, uh-huh. what's your, do you like, uh, do you, how do you approach that? Do you, do you, is, do you are you, you know, how, how are you doing that now? And how do you see that um, evolving mm-hmm. maybe or devolving or? Yeah, what's that situation? Yeah. So rolfing is a series of sessions, right? You have like 10 to 12 sessions and they're spread out a week apart. So like every week you get a session and, you know, the rolfer may assign some uh, awareness exercise or movement exercise. And you need, you need that time to integrate what's happening. Each session is designed that way. Um, in Ayurveda, you have a process called panchakarma. And I'm not going to go into what it all means, but what I am going to say is just a form of Ayurvedic body work. Mm-hmm. And it involves a very intricate process. So not only are you getting body work, but you're getting internal medicine as well. And there are, um, there are factors that you look for in the panchakarma process that are very important. And how to blend these two things is, is tricky because One thing that is common between both of these systems is what I mean by system is panchakarma and rolfing is Mm -hmm. both of these processes, they weaken you. They they actually weaken you just enough that you can integrate what the rolfer has provided you, right? You feel fantastic after each session, no doubt. Even panchakarma, you feel fantastic, but you have been weakened slightly. Um, So those two things the, the weakness along with, uh, with the time that you need to integrate the work is very important. Now, the Panchakama process is 21 days. Mm-hmm. So I have, as a rolfer, 21 days to do a 10 series. So how in the world do I give enough time to each person 
and I'm not overworking them, right? Because they're getting body work every single day. So I have to be very careful about what I'm doing. The therapists have to be very careful about what I'm doing because we need to be all on the same page. Mm. Um, Some patients get 30 minute sessions um, and I spread them like back to back sometimes every other day. Um, And it just depends on each person. Um, Some people get a full hour. Um, And I did a trial. So this is a research center. The hospital that I'm working at in South India, Sri Sarada Ayurvedic Hospital, is a is a research hospital and the reason why i'm there is because abigail and i got accepted by dr el mahadevan uh, mdbams he is an an extremely profound ayurvedic teacher you can call him like the acharya the, the great teacher of of this time he's unbelievable the way that he can diagnose he blends western medicine with ayurvedic medicine just seamlessly you can't even tell what's going on he's amazing so I had access, I was fortunate enough to have access to CT scans, MRIs, uh, you know, all sorts of things, x-rays, you name it, blood work. We had a facility, if I wanted blood work, I can ask for it, you know. So before sessions, I can do something and say, you know what, I want blood work after a session. I can do that. Mm. So in, in America, I don't have that privilege. But in, in India, because of, of the permission and grace of our teacher, I had access to these things. And so... It was unbelievable to me to see the effects of what Rolfing does before somebody gets an MRI and what somebody does and, and then getting an MRI after or getting an x-ray before and getting an x-ray after. Um, so it's, it was a complicated process and I would do an hour session, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes back to back. And if the patient was strong enough, which most Indians are, they can take body work like you can't believe. I I mean, you can try to weaken the clients that were at the clinic. You just couldn't do it. They were just, they were so strong to take the work. Mm -hmm. So I felt good about what I was doing because, you know, they were good. They weren't getting a cold. They didn't look, didn't look weak. They just, they were just like, let's keep going. It was like Neo in the matrix. You know, they were just like chugging away. It was unbelievable. Um, So we had amazing results. I would take photos of before and after. I'd show Dr. Al Mahadevan, hey, this is what's going on. And he would, you know, he would be like, this is, this is great. This is really good work. And when he saw that, he started increasing my workload. And um, Abigail was there with me at all times. Uh, she was checking in, taking pulse before and after, watching what the, the herbal protocols were. So Everything was monitored. Blood pressure was taken every day. Everything, you know, all that stuff was there. It's like you're in a hospital, but you're not. So that's how I was introduced to Rolfing and Ayurveda for the first time to like do these two things together. And yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was a lot. And so now I've come to a point where I'm going to work with Abigail and we're going to create a program where, where each person goes through a, 10 series or a 10 to 11, 10 to 12 sessions. And along at the same time, the person is, uh, is going to get herbal protocols. Um, they're going to utilize some Panchakarma methods, right? So they will do self Abhyanga, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they need a self cleanse uh, under the uh, direct supervision of, of Abigail and myself. So all these things we're going to create and they're going to be unique per person. 
So that's, that's what we've gained from being at this hospital is, is how to, how to integrate Ayurveda and Rothing in such a way where the work that we do from outside in and from inside out is going to last even more. Um, and, and they'll become hopefully um, more aware and respond to life in a more conscious way. Few notes just for people listening. Abigail, we've mentioned, is your wife, but she is an Ayurvedic. <laughs> she she is an Ayurvedic consultant as well, correct? Yeah, ac- actually, yeah. in India, she's a um, she's an Ayurvedic physician. Um, okay. She was hired by Dr. El Mahadevan as as a physician. Um, she has her master's in complementary alternative medicine. Uh, she got her bachelor's in Ayurveda. She's you know two time Ayurvedic wellness consultant. She's been doing this you know long yeah. before I met her. I mean, almost two years before I met her. So. Um, and she's a wonderful artist and she can sing and God, she's very talented. So, and she's yeah. an astrologer. Oh, so yeah. that list goes on. No, I meant that more just so people aren't, aren't like, why is his wife coming in and, and doing these things when he's doing sessions? <laughs> she is, she's, she's experienced as well. You know, for, for me, when I think of Ayurveda, I think a lot of the very, very basics, right? And I think of about the, what are the doshas or like the, mm-hmm. the constitutions that everyone has. And mm-hmm. so for, for me, when I'm working with people, a lot of times I'm thinking about what are the biopsychological traits that this person is, is, is showing and like, how do, how do I help keep that into a better, um, a, a more aligned, a better balance between the three doshas to try to figure out like mm-hmm. what, what to do. And is that when you're working with people, do you, do you keep that in mind as well? Uh, like- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So each person that comes in, so for example, um, a Vata type individual is a bit leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell by when there's not much like tissue around the joints, that's usually somebody who's of Vata quality. You can see their bones a little bit more. Um, their skin is a little bit thinner. They don't look emaciated, but they just don't look, you know, like they have a lot of cushion around joints. So that's one thing you can look at. Pitta people are like your um, um, kind of tailored body. You know, they've got this, uh, this musculature uh, tone to them. Um, and then you have Kapha people who are kind of a well-rounded, you can say, yeah, big bone. Why are you looking at me, man? <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> they're not obese. It has nothing to do with obesity. They just, they yeah, just yeah. look, they just look like they're, you know, uh, they've got a good amount of flesh that is, that is protecting them. Their joints are very well protected. So each individual requires a different kind of a touch. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a lot of talk about, you know, you don't have to touch. You can be very light, you know, for neurodermal modulation, for uh, any kind of neurovascular um, work. And that's working with delicate things. But in terms of Vata type of people, you have to be a little bit more, more gentle and a bit more light-handed. And then you've got these Pitta people where you have to increase your touch a little bit. Um, and with Kapha people, you've, you may have to go a little bit more, a little bit more mm-hmm. deeper. Mm-hmm. Deeper doesn't mean more pressure. It just means your intention has to be clear with what you're doing because these people need to feel what's going on yeah. um, because they have uh, tissue that is thicker than normal people. Uh, so it doesn't mean that they can't respond to it. It just means they may not have the capacity yet to respond to the level of the superficial areas. Mm. So 
you have to train kapha people um, um, to take light touch, right? Meet me at the superficial layer. So I definitely look at uh, vata type and pitta type and kapha type of people. What's also important is you can break down your touch also um, with each, in, each individual. Vata type of touch is light. Pitta type of touch is a little deeper. Kapha type of touch is a little deeper, even deeper. So even if you're pitta, I may use a kapha type of touch or I may use a vata kind of touch. I may challenge you in that way. Um, and, and this is actually really amazing because if you take the dosha, which is vata, pitta, and kapha, and for those who don't understand what dosha is, think of the, the humors in the body, right? So you have vata humor, pitta humor, and kapha humor, and just systems, integral systems in the body that sustain and maintain who you are and create homeostasis. If, uh, if I take the doshas and I break them down, they have subcategories. So pitta has five subcategories. Vata has five subcategories. Kapha has five subcategories. And each of those subcategories correlate which look with locations of the body. So anything from belly button down is vata. Anything from the belly button to the xiphoid process is pitta. Anything from the chest up is kapha. And just imagine that, plus you split it up even more. So every time I am working on somebody, if I'm working on someone's leg, direction matters for me. If I go upward, I'm, I'm moving vata in an upward manner, meaning after I'm done with this patient, this person should feel lighter, mm. right? So if I'm working on this guy's right leg, a patient's right leg, and I'm moving in an upward direction, I'm moving vata upward, the person should get off the table and say, I feel lighter on the right side. And you can do the same experiment and move downward. If I move vata downward, if I take my direction, move down the leg, they're going to be more grounded. They're going to feel a little heavier. They'll be, their, their step will be a little bit more, um, uh, they'll sense it more. They'll be in contact more. Uh, they won't have that bounce usually. So uh, this is actually very important because Dr. Alam Hadewan was telling me in the Panchakarma process, when you move in an upward direction from the feet towards the crown of the head, the person automatically will feel lighter. Automatically. If you move from the head down, they will feel more grounded. So if you have a client, if I have a client who's very airy-fairy, very kind of deranged in their thoughts, you can say scattered. Um, you could even say ADHD, but that's not the best term to use. You can just say they're, they're not fully you know, engaged with life. They're, they're just kind of all over the place. I want to bring them down. So everything that I do, I'm going to work in a downward manner. And the moment they get off the table, they'll feel, they'll feel grounded, right? Their response to life will be like, whoa, you know, I'm here right now. I'm not in the clouds. It's also like G and G prime, but we can, we can talk about that. Yeah, I was thinking later. about G and G prime and palatinicity when you were talking about that, but we can talk later about that. Yeah. 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 So these are important things that, that I've learned uh, to utilize in, in, um, in my Rothing sessions. And also, you talked about biodynamic um, craniosacral therapy, and you're feeling for the patient. You're, you're allowing the patient to unravel you're being more present. Mm -hmm. The same thing is done in Ayurveda when you do not even yawn. When you take the pulse of an individual, and not just like, you know, I'm taking the radial artery, but the radial artery is the site 
where you can take the pulse and you can feel the state of the person's like physiology, uh, which dosha is high, what is their mental state, uh, what's going on with their organs, how is their blood pressure, everything, the scott, everything can be can be checked, which gives me direction to where to start sometimes. Sometimes if I don't know where to start, I'll feel their pulse for about a minute or two, and it'll be like, I'm starting here. This is where I need to go because because I, I can feel vata, pitta, kapha, and those subdoshas, and those subdoshas have a location. So if something is out of balance, I go there first, and I work in that way. So That's really nice. That's, that's a way of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know in like in, in biodynamic for me, I will like sometimes if I have a client, it's the first time and I don't know what's really going on, I can just sit and just sort of sit for sometimes five or 10 minutes. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, and it's just like, oh, okay, I need to go to that spot. Mm-hmm. That spot o- mm-hmm. over there is, is where it is. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. you can go there via actually going there, you know, let take your hands off or you can have your intention go there. And or mm-hmm. working with the fascia, yeah, it's it's really, uh, it's really interesting. I, I I never thought about it in the way that you just described it from an Ayurvedic perspective, and more. And that's really beautiful, and um, it's an, a really good tool. Yeah, yeah, because you're feeling because I check it before and I check it after, so mm. it gives me like even if the person doesn't feel a big difference, I can check to see if anything has changed. And if things have changed, I know they're, they're just, they're integrating and I don't have to, you know, question them too much. I can just be like, okay, you're going to be fine. You'll feel better in like two days or three days. So I feel like you teaching like a one day class for offers on how to use Ayurveda for tracking. that that tracking at the end is so important about like when you see people and like you've done a session they're great and they get off the table and then they're just sort of like they're either like collapsing they're like too heavy and you know they're not too grounded (laughs) or they're too you know they're 2g or they're too g primary you see them at the table and they're like literally like their head is five feet in the sky just like floating and you're Mm -hmm. like you know um bringing us some ayurvedic protocols into how to help how to help find their like again the homeostasis um yeah how, yeah. how to not do too much work and sometimes yeah. i feel their pulse in between a session if i if i feel something's different i'll go and check and see you know like what's going on mm. and so, uh it, yeah so i imagine i mean people are people so working in india must be exactly the same as working in the u.s right uh, no, not at all. Absolutely not. Not the same at all. It's, you know, uh, so I was born in Mumbai and I know I can speak Hindi. Um, um, I can understand Hindi. I can understand Gujarati and uh, Kachi and a few other languages up North India. But when you come to the South, it's Tamil, you know, and, and Malayalam and there you can't even, you can't even pick up anything. It's, it's a completely different world, a completely different culture different food so um it was very challenging it took me about a, a month of frustration and um uh, loss of of hope uh because i couldn't ask for certain kinds of movements you know i couldn't i couldn't do the things that i was taught that told me that if you do this it's going to make a big difference so 
it took me about a month, almost two months to really um, understand how to work with the clients here. And, and, and to, you know, some patients were amazing. The response was amazing. They spoke English and they were more attuned with themselves. They understood what their body was. But a lot of them, the majority of the patients I worked with, they had, they had no idea what this body is, you know, and why it's so important to feel this, this thing that you're carrying around with you all the time. And so it was very challenging um, to get past that um, obstacle. And uh, we, we talked about, again, this before, but my experience is when I was working in India, uh, and it sort of ties into what you were talking earlier about, like, training people on touch. Um, for me, mm. like, teaching, like, the people, that a lot of the Indians that I worked with just wanted hard and strong, and they wanted me to do for them. It was such a sense of you you were the, you were the person up here. I, I kept thinking of relating it to the guru sort of way of, like, you're the you're the person with knowledge therefore you do to me and i kept trying to get them to be like no i have knowledge so that we do together so you do for yourself later on and that was really in my realm that was really really challenging for that as well as just teaching them like it doesn't have to be painful you know yeah you you find this yeah yeah it's like um you have to see what they're exposed to like at the clinic and the hospital that I was working in, they had a marma therapist and a physiotherapist. And so all they did was treat where they were painful mm-hmm. and each treatment was 15, 20 minutes maximum, not even more than that. And, um, and all they wanted was results immediately. Like we don't care how much we have to pay. I want results right now. And with Rolfing, it just doesn't work that way, you know? And they did. They really, when I worked with them, they were like, why is this taking so long? You know, it's almost like like I was being asked to, like, Rolf their problems away. And that's why I think Ida Rolf gave priority to, to educating. And that's what I had to do for a month. It's just like I had to educate the people, you know? They weren't used to to that attention, like to get an hour's worth of work where we're both working together and, you know, you're in control of the session. You you don't see that. And so, um, they were, there's a learning curve, you know, and I think that's important that you have to get learned how to, how to be rocked. You know? Yeah. And how do you teach someone when you how to be Rolf when you have trouble speaking their language? Um, <laughs> I only do half their body. <laughs> <laughs> I only do, I will do half their body and I'll make them get up and they'll mm-hmm. walk. They won't speak. They won't know like full on English, but I have a translator and mm-hmm. I'll do one side and I'll make them get up and walk and they'll feel a difference. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, you can see it in their face, their eyes. They're just like, whoa, what is, what in the world is like, it's like they just like were like a new experience has just come up, you know. And so mm-hmm. I look at them and I kind of shake my head, and they shake their head, and we get back on the table and we get back to work. And so sometimes I just do one side, and I and I leave them. Sometimes I only do one side for the whole day, and I come mm-hmm. back the next day to do the other side. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, I'm I'm so busy, I have to. Do, you know, I'm like, all right, you only get uh, session one, but only on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> come back the next day 
and they feel a big difference. And I do the other side and then bring them back to, you know, a normal, um, what do you call it? A normal plane for them. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I think of like a, a big part of my practice is questioning. <laughs> and so asking people, what are you noticing? How are you, you know, what do you, and especially if I do one side, what are you noticing on the different, you know, what are you noticing between the two sides? What, what are you sensing in your body? Coming from that Genlin, yeah. that Genlin approach, and it's really interesting because if you if you can't say that, it's like, well, how do you how do you communicate when you can't say it? And your approach really is really interesting. It's just like I, I I can't tell them how do they feel, so I leave them in a state that they will definitely feel that they'll start to build that awareness or into themselves. It, it's an it's a yeah. really, it's an interesting way of doing it. it. It's it's nonverbal change. Like they're they're going to. They will say the next day, I, I feel a difference on, you know, on my right side. They, they'll say different, right side, different, left side, problem, left side, problem. And so mm. then I know, okay, w- what we did yesterday worked and then they become more patient, you know, and they're willing and they're aware. They're not falling asleep on it. You know, they're, they're riding that wave in between sleep and awareness. They're alert. So anything more you want to share either about, yourself about um about rolfing about ayurveda about anything at all Uh, um before you get into self-care you know what i mean by self-care is like hands-on body work either with a chiropractor either with whoever that is body oriented make sure that you are watching what is what is being eaten so when Mm. what you're consuming is going to have a a, a, a direct impact on how how much benefit you will gain from the chiropractor or from the osteopath or from whoever whomever you go to get your body work from a massage anything so before you start doing these things change change just a little bit it could be one thing stop eating potato chips you know and then go to the chiropractor and see what that does to you like all right i'm going to eliminate one thing you know um, diet is huge. And if you don't watch what you're consuming, uh, the benefits can, can be altered. Mm. That's about yeah, it. So. Yeah. I, when I, it's actually the reason I sort of started studying more into Ayurveda was because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I may have told you this story before, but I was like, I was at a retreat center that whenever I go there, I'd always get like just tons of mucus. I'd always be allergic to something. And I was taking a yoga and Ayurveda course, and I went up to uh, the, 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 we had a guy named Dr. John Duyard. He's sort of a celebrity in Ayurveda. And I said, Dr. Yeah, John. Yeah, he's, he's in Colorado, isn't he's he? In Colorado, yeah. I ran into him a few yeah. times. In like, in, when I was at Rolf School, I ran into him at the Todd's Coffee because his shop's around the corner. So I was like, hey, Dr. John. But um, he, he, he's the one that kind of, he, I, he inspired me. I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm always sick here. Like, what, what, do you, what, what do you think? And he just looked at me and he was like, don't eat dinner or just have like a light soup for dinner. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just so like, come on, like that's not going to make any difference. But I was like, okay, why not? I'm here. So I skipped dinner that night and I woke up the next morning and all of my mucus was gone, just gone. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, there's, there's some, I gotta, there's, there's something to this. I'm very scientific in my thinking, but when I have an experience yeah. that I, that I can't explain Western scientifically, experience will always trump it. So diet is super, and, and I notice that when I like, when I eat more spicy food, for example, because I have a high pitta and I love spicy, mm-hmm. 
when I, I, I cut out spicy food for a few months one time and my, my speaking got slower. My, my, yeah. my, my mentality got slower. My hormones got less like crazy. And it was like, whoa, yeah. okay, there's, there's what you eat uh, definitely has uh, regulatory aspects on your body for sure. Yeah. 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 So aztribe.com is how people can find more about you. Um, yep. Aztribe.com. And Abigail as well. Um, yep. And, and I, I would highly recommend people who have, if, if something has sort of sparked their interest in this, to send Zoe an, uh, an email. He's a very welcoming guy. Um, and, and you know, as he's, a, he's an amazing educator. Um, and I think that I, you are. I mean, I, I love, we lived in the, we lived in the same house for two weeks overlapping. Um, and, I just loved, like, I felt like we both were always sharing information, not, not talking down. And that was really important because yeah. I had other yeah. roommates that would just be like, well, I'm in a higher course. I'm talking down. You don't know anything. You're only in this phase. And you were very much an educator, which is like, let me share this information. If, if it resonates with you, I'm happy. And if, if it doesn't, enjoy your day. You know, yeah. It's, really. it's all about being inclusive, you know, yeah. and it can be easy to be exclusive uh, because you think you have something, but um, being inclusive actually gives you more creative power, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the more you share, the more you can create, the less you share, you get stuck in your creative process. So um, that's why being with Dr. Elma Devan, he's like an open book. Um, a lot of Ayurvedic teachers aren't like that. Um, yeah. They won't share yeah. everything. And so, you know, he's very inclusive and that's important. That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Lozelle, thank you uh, for your time. Thank you, Andrew. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thanks again to Zoe for his time and wisdom in today's episode of Touching Into Presence. You can find out more or get in contact with Zoe at aztribe.com. We appreciate your listening to our podcast and made with love and look forward to sharing our next episodes as they unfold. Have a lovely day wherever you may be.